Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Now I get to introduce our uh, our speaker for the day, Mr. Dr. Don Ross. Thank you, Don, for being here. Um, thank you for sharing. First service, getting to do it again. Second service, if you want to come on up. Uh, Don has been uh, an author, a church consultant, a pastor, a husband, a father. And now we, uh, Hillcrest is part of the AG, uh, Assemblies of God. And in the Northwest, Washington and uh, Northern Idaho is the Northwest Network. And Don, for the last couple of years, has been the leader of that network. So the leader of the, the uh, network of churches that we are part of. Thank you for that leadership. We know that's a lot of behind-the-scenes toiling. And so would you welcome Don uh, while he brings the word to us today. Appreciate that. Hey, nice to be with you here. Uh, coming to Whatcom County is a little bit like coming home for us. We lived here for 12 years and pastored churches in Linden and in Bellingham, helped plant Christ the King, and then move to Seattle, and all kinds of wonderful stuff happened, so nice to be back. Uh, my job right now, I've been in the role for about two years, a little over two years, is to oversee about 325 churches in uh, the Northwest. Our boundaries are from Washington, or from the Pacific Ocean to the Montana border, and from Canadian border to the Oregon border, so all of Washington, northern yeah. Idaho. There's about 7 million people there. 84% of them have no working knowledge or understanding of who Christ is. So, uh, yeah, and in fact, uh, you might have come here today with a friend, and you said, yeah, I don't go to church, I'm not interested in church, but you're my friend, so I'll come with you. And I want to take a moment and just welcome you, uh, and all of you as well. It's so good to be here. Um, the focus that I was assigned, I was given an assigned topic, and so I'm going to tell you what that is right up front. Uh, what our mission's all about, um, our fellowship, uh, the Assemblies of God missions, then and now. So we're going to talk a little bit about missions because this is Faith Promise Pledge uh, Month for you guys and you're supporting missions. I believe in missionaries. I've traveled all around the world, not everywhere, but lots of places, and watched missionaries work firsthand. And I'll tell you what, they, they're like special forces in God's front line. It's just amazing Watch, I'll tell you what happened two weeks, well, not two weeks, about two and a half months ago, Brenda and I were in South Africa, and we're getting ready to take a picture. I was uh, training about two dozen missionaries there, some high caliber uh, guys, and they, they brought me in, and it, I was real honored to be there, and, we're, and Brenda's taking a picture, and we're going to post it on Facebook because we let people know where we're going, and this guy jumps out, and he said, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I can't be in this picture if you're going to post it on Facebook because I minister in a sensitive area. And we, okay, we understand that. And so he took the picture, and Brenda got back in, and a few minutes later, he came up to me, and he said, I understand you fish offshore. You're a boat guy. And I said, yeah, I like to do that. He said, I'm looking for a boat. I said, all right, maybe I can help. How big? How fast? He said, we've got to have about a 30-foot boat, and it's got to go 35 miles an hour minimum. Now, here's a young guy. He's probably in his middle 30s, married, couple of kids. I said, why do you need a boat that goes so fast? He said, oh, we have to outrun pirates. He said it so casually. He's teaching English as a second language. He's training them in agricultural skills and weaving the gospel into all of that. And oh, by the way, I'm raising my family in the shadow of pirates in this sensitive nation. I just think, man, the level of sacrifice 
and the willingness to put their family and their lives at risk, way beyond a comfort zone I'd even want to visit, and that's where he chooses to live. So I want to talk to you about two kinds of missionaries today, cross-cultural missionaries, which are people that leave the culture they were raised in, go to another country, learn a language, all of the customs there. Uh, Tim referred to them as vocational missionaries. That's who you're helping to support. But also local missionaries. A local missionary is somebody who recognizes that God wants to use them in their own neighborhood, their own community, where they work and where they live. And to that end, we have these cards that are called my mission cards. So I don't know if we have enough for everyone, but if you have one, would you just hold it up so I can see how many we don't have? Okay, who does not have one? Raise your hand. All right, there was, they were so popular in the first service, and you'll see what we're going to do with them here a little bit later if you look up front. We don't have enough to go around. So feel free to use an offering envelope, a scrap of paper. You can use the connection card, whatever you want to, right? If you're going to use the connection card, on the back there's some blank spots. Just write the words, my mission. And here's what I need everybody to do. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'll give you full disclosure so there's no bait and switch. At the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to turn these in and pray for the people whose names you have listed. And then we're going to actually send these cards back to you with some additional information. Well, we can't do that if we don't know who you are. So if you're using a connection card, please print your name on the front of it. If you're using a My Mission card, you'll notice at the bottom of the card, there's room for you to print your name. So be sure and print it clearly so Dan personally doesn't have to pray over every one of them and discern who they are, okay? I teased him a little bit, so all right. Hey, we're happy to have you here. What we're going to do with those cards, I'm going to stop about four or five times during the sermon and ask you to write down two or three names each time. And then at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be commissioned as a local missionary. And the names on your card, first names only, because you're the only one that's going to use this card. I'm going to ask you to be commissioned as a local missionary, and those people become your mission field for the next two years. That is your focus, and we're going to send you out to that. All right? So full disclosure, everybody knows where we're headed. You ready to pray and go to work? All right, let's do that. Jesus, thanks for bringing us here. Thanks for giving us your word. Thanks for helping us focus on what you are all about, the family business of moving the kingdom forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So my assignment is to talk about AG missions, Assemblies of God missions, our fellowship, then and now. So let's talk about then. How far back do we go to understand the then of back when this started? Where did missions start? Missions did not start in our own fellowship of the Assemblies of God. Didn't start there. Missions did not start in our country. Missions didn't start in Europe. Missions did not even start in the Middle East. In fact, if you want to go back to the beginning of missions, missions did not start on this planet. Missions started in the heart of God. Way back when, when he sent Jesus as the very first missionary. I love the Christmas story because the Christmas story is the story of missions. Jesus as the first missionary came. What do missionaries do? Missionaries go from one place to another place to tell people who don't know about God, about God. That's what they do. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. 
In fact, Jesus identifies his purpose, and we have a little listening guide for you so you can follow along in the teaching today that's inside your program. In John 17, Jesus said, in the same way you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Take your pencil, your pen, whichever you have, and circle those three words, in the world. Because you have a mission in the world. John 20 Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Every church is a sending organization. God is sending you. Do you think it's an accident that you live in Bellingham? Do you think it's an accident that you're here to go to school or have a job here? Do you think it's an accident that you live in the neighborhood where you live or work where you work? Do you think any of that is an accident? Seriously, if you believe the words of Jesus who said the Father in heaven numbers the hairs on your head, notice this when a sparrow falls from the sky, do you think the escaping details of where you live and where you work will be gone from him? Of course not. He has weaved the details of your life together for the advancement of his kingdom. It's not an accident that you're here today. In Acts 20, the Apostle Paul talks about this mission. The most important thing, he says, is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people about the good news of God's grace. Once I know that God has a purpose for me in my life, once I understand that Christ loves me and has died for me and sacrificed his life for me on the cross, my purpose then comes to share that to share that with other people whose hearts are open to understand that. Would you take that card that you have, either your communication card or the My Mission card, would you write down two or three names right now of people that you know, that you see on a regular basis who are far from God? Maybe members of your own family, people that you work with, somebody in your neighborhood. I've asked God to bring those names into your mind so that you would pray for them during this service. Acts 1.8 says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, the word witnesses, take your pencil and circle that word witnesses. It's the Greek word martyr, and we understand that martyrs are people who give their life, they die for a cause. But originally, the word martyr did not mean someone who died. Originally, the word martyr meant witness. They're somebody who gives a testimony, a verbal exchange. I will tell you what happened to me. And in the first century, so many people loved Jesus and told the gospel about how their life had been changed and they were oppressed by persecutors and ended up dying that the word eventually came to mean someone who dies for their faith or for what they believe. But it originally had no connotations with death at all. To be a witness does not mean that you are a defense attorney. God does not need you to defend him. You are not a prosecuting attorney. You don't need to bully people into a corner or logically make them convinced that they should receive Christ. You're also not a salesman for Jesus, using your skillful ways of persuasion to talk people into the gospel. How many of you know there is no logical way to convince people of faith? That faith is higher than logic. Faith goes beyond persuasion. God does not want you to persuade people or logically convince them. He only wants you to be a witness, that is, tell your story. That's it. 
Are you willing to tell your story? That's all God's asking you to do. That's all a witness can do is say, this is what happened to me. Now, if we're going to go into all of the world, there are three categories there that are mentioned in that verse on the screen. Number one is Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents the people closest to us. That's our family. My wife grew up in a non-Christian home. Three weeks before her father died, she led him to Christ. Then her sister came to Christ. Her mom turns 91 this month, and we're praying for her. You can join us to pray. Because people matter to God. Wherever you are, as soon as you understand the good news, it's going to flow out of you naturally into the lives of other people. The second category is Judea or Samaria. Now, this represents people that are different from me, but they're near me. Samaria was a place in the region of Israel, but there was a group of people, the Samaritans, that were different than the Jews. And Jesus went there on purpose, which shocked his disciples, by the way. I would encourage you to have some amazing conversations with people who believe differently than you. Do you have any Muslim friends? Do you have gay friends? Do you have friends that come from someplace else? They look at your faith differently than you do, but you choose to move in to that area that takes you out of your comfort zone for the sake of the gospel, simply to love people as they are. And the third area is the ends of the earth. That's everybody else. Now, it's interesting in Scripture, we don't do one or the other. We do all three simultaneously, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes to this young leader. His name is Timothy. He's leading the church that Paul planted in Acts 19. And he says, this was God's plan for all history, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's talking about reaching out. Everyone is a missionary. We support cross-cultural missionaries, but we also are local missionaries. Now, there are three ways, and I want to walk through the rest of our time together and identify these three ways by which we are local missionaries, by which we take the gospel to the world where Christ has put us. Number one, I have to be willing to share with those in my world. I have to share with those in my world. In Jesus' ministry here on earth, there was a sick man that came to him one time and asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus healed the man, and the man said, I want to go with you. I want to travel with you. I want to follow you. Look what you've done for me. This is amazing. And Jesus said, no, in Luke 8. Go back home and tell the people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. That's what God wants us to do. I want you to think about this. This It's a rhetorical question. Don't answer it out loud. But when was the last time you actually told your Jesus story? When was the last time you had an opportunity to tell your Jesus story? Believe me, you will open your heart, hopefully, by the end of this service and say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to tell your story written in my life. This mission of outreach that we're referencing here in terms of missions around the world that are part of our fellowship actually started back in 1914. There are a group of ministers who got together. They came from Presbyterian, Baptist, Episcopalian, Methodist, all different groups, and they had experienced what they called the fullness of the Spirit. And so they band together 
the last thing they were thinking about doing was starting a denomination. That wasn't even on the radar. All they wanted to do was to support missionaries. And they sent out 37 missionaries that very first year. And this was their mantra. They said, God, we commit ourselves to the greatest evangelism this world has ever seen. Can you imagine how audacious that is? Just as the world is going into its first world war, God raises up the beginnings of a fellowship that would be the greatest missionary fellowship that the world has ever seen experienced. In our missions around the world, we have one new convert that happens about every 29 seconds. One new church every 43 minutes. 95% of the people that are part of this fellowship don't even live in this country. They live around the world. In fact, 1% of the world's population of 7 billion people are a part of the fellowship that you are a part of. I mean, this, this, this is a significant thing that God is doing that you get to be a part of. We are all called to be missionaries. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, explains about being a witness. Always be ready, he says, to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in you. Yesterday I was in a meeting and I heard uh, Tyler Lockett from the Seahawks give his faith story. Talk about Jesus. And Tyler said, you know, people say I shouldn't go here, but my friends are there and they need Jesus, so I go there. He said, I don't drink with them, but I watch them drink. I just have a Coke, but they ask me all kinds of questions. And then we go here, and I'm going to be with them because I know that I'm supposed to be a missionary. I'm supposed to carry the gospel there. He said, people ask me questions all the time that I can't answer. And I have to say, I don't know, but I can tell them my story. So I'm telling my story wherever I go. Can I just alleviate your fear? When you choose to accept the challenge in a few minutes to become a local missionary, God will put you in places where people will ask you questions and you will not know the answer. Is that okay? Is it okay for you to look at your friend or your relative and say, I don't know, I don't know, but here's what I do know, and you tell your story. It's enough that you can tell your story because nobody can argue with what happened to you. You are the most reasonable expert on your own experience. Now, you and I will die. One of these days, we will die, and we will go to heaven. For those of us who follow Jesus, we will end up in heaven, and there are two things that you cannot do in heaven. Number one, you can't sin because there's no sin in heaven, and number two, you can't share the gospel with anybody because everybody that's in heaven's already heard the gospel. Doesn't, isn't that a reasonable assumption, those two things? So why didn't God just take you to heaven after you accepted Christ into your life? Do you think it was for choice number one, so you could remain in sin? Of course not. It's for choice number two. God left you here to be a local missionary, an extension of carrying the gospel into the community that you're a part of. In 2 Peter 3, it says, God does not want anyone to be lost, but he wants all to have their hearts and lives changed. God has called me to make Jesus known to the world. He's called you to make Jesus known to the world. Here's the second way that we do that. Number two, I must dare to reach beyond my world. That is, I have to be willing to go beyond my comfort zone. An outreach mission is as important as any mission God will ever send you, and, and the consequences are eternal in nature. That means God has no problem causing a little bit of discomfort for you 
if it means the gospel gets preached some other place because hell is much more uncomfortable than my embarrassment or yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote, he said, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. In Galatians 2, stoop down, reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens so that you complete Christ's law. When God puts you in a place where you see needs that are obvious, reach out to those needs. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. And then Jesus in Matthew 25 says, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your house. And then his disciples respond and say, when did we do that? When were you naked and we gave you clothes? Are you in prison and we visited you? And Jesus said, whenever you do this to any one of these, it's the same as doing it for me. That's how powerful the gospel is that when we help other people, we're actually helping Jesus. Jesus will take us beyond our comfort zone in order to help people. I wrote a book that uh, came out a few years ago, and while I was writing the book, I hung out in McDonald's because McDonald's has free coffee, internet 24 hours a day, and uh, it was okay. So I'm writing there, and uh, this guy sits down at the table next to me. Little did I know I was being inducted into a community about half the group are homeless guys. One of them's an atheist. And when I joined the group, I was the only Christian. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell them I was a pastor. I, they never asked. I never told them. So the guy would come early, and his name was Carl, and he sat across the table with me. And we started back and forth. He said, what are you doing? I said, ah, I've got a writing project going. He goes, oh, yeah, okay. And uh, then he talked a little bit about his life, and suddenly his life began to pour out, and he stopped. And, and, and Carl began to use expletives. He's talking to me. He said, blankety blank, I don't know why I'm telling you all this stuff. I'm treating you like a blankety blank priest. He didn't know what I was doing. He's telling me that he's been with 11 women. He's been married to three of them. He was in prison. He was in jail, drug addiction, alcohol. I mean, this stuff just pours out of him. And about every 10 minutes, he'd stop. He'd go, why am I telling you this? Why am I? It was obviously a holy moment. He didn't recognize it, but I did. I knew that I was, I thought I was there to do some writing. I was there to meet Carl. So this went on for several weeks. And then he would come earlier so that we would have alone time. And then when the other guys came, you know, he'd kind of back off. And then when we were alone, he'd open up his heart a little bit more. I said, Carl, do you want to learn a little more? He goes, yeah. So I got him this little booklet by Rick Warren called uh, Purpose Driven Life, that little booklet that he has. And he went clear through it, and he come to the end of it. And that took about six weeks. When we got to the end of that, page by page, there was a prayer there. I said, Carl, do you want to pray this prayer and open your heart to Jesus? And he goes, yeah, I do. I do. And I said, okay, so let's pray. And here's the way we prayed. I'm not going to say what Carl said, but you'll get it. I said, Jesus, this is my friend Carl. We've been talking about you for a few weeks, and now he wants to join your family. He wants to put faith in you. So here he is. I said, Carl, you're on. And Carl prays. Here's the way he prays. Uh, Jesus, this is Carl. And... Uh, Don said that I don't have to BS with you when I talk, only he didn't say BS, okay? And there were several times that he used swear words throughout his prayer, okay? Because that's just the way Carl talked. Jesus takes us the way we are, hello, okay? And at the end of that time, Carl said, man, I just feel different. I said, yeah. 
You got faith. You have living faith inside you right now. Wow. Carl led three people to Christ in the next five months, every single one of them on their deathbed. He came back and he said, I think I want a different ministry because everybody I talk to dies, you know? <laughs> I'd like to tell you that Carl came to church and I baptized him. It hasn't happened yet. His church is this little group at McDonald's and I'm there about twice a week. Is the gospel happening there? Absolutely. Do you have a similar experience in your life? I hope you do. God wants to use you. Here's the third thing. I must care about the entire world. It's not enough that I just start at home or I'm willing to go beyond my comfort zone. I've got to care about the entire world because the entire world changes one person at a time. Jesus said in Matthew, or Mark 16, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Now, when Jesus said that, that astounded his followers because the average person in Jesus' day never left their village, let alone go around the entire world. But that's where Jesus' vision was. It's amazing to me that the missionaries that you have helped support have grown from 37 missionaries. I think we have a graph of how they have grown here, have grown to over 2,000 and uh, actually 2,007 missionaries now scattered around the world. Each one of them an investment of nearly a half a million dollars to deploy them on the field. It's an amazing influence that's happened all around the world and that you and I get to be a part of that. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, if you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw their lives away for the sake of the gospel will ever know what it means to really, really live. Take out your card again. I want you to write down another two or three names. Do you know some people who used to have a sweet fellowship with Jesus who've walked away from the faith? You know somebody going through a hard time, through a divorce. They've lost their job. They've gotten bad news from the doctor. God's putting their name in your mind right now to write down because God's calling you to be a missionary to the community that he's put you in. You know, every one of us here today have a choice of four responses. God is calling you to be a missionary and I have four choices. I can be like Moses who's stunned, who said, who, me? Or we can be like the Old Testament prophet Jonah, who said, not me, I'm not going. Or you can be like the prophet Habakkuk. He said, why me? Choose somebody else. Or you can be like the fourth prophet, Isaiah, who said, send me. Here's what I don't want to have happen in my life. Years from now, whenever it is that I stand in front of Jesus, I don't want to have to explain to him why I disobeyed his word or why I chose not to take advantage of the opportunities that he brought inside me. Believe me when I tell you the names on the card that you're holding right now, you will be able to influence their eternal destiny. I can hear where your brains are going right there. Are you kidding me? The guy at work, you don't know him. No, I don't. It doesn't matter. One of the guys that's in my McDonald's group is named Jerry. He's an atheist. He ridicules my faith. He laughs at me. But he laughs a little bit too loud, and he ridicules just a little bit too hard, if you know what I mean. There are seeds of the gospel that are penetrating 
that hard Norwegian heart. One of these days, that will break. God wants to use you to bring the life-changing gospel of Jesus to the world that you live in. So here's what I'm going to do to wrap this service up. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to stand up from where you're seated, to come forward and to drop your card to join those who did it in the earlier service. You can see there's a lot of people that have done that. We're not going to have any music. There's no emotional ploy. This is just your choice to simply obey Jesus. Don't stand up yet. I want to tell you one more thing. In Whatcom County, there's about 200,000 people that live here. Bellingham has about 80,000 people. Can I just tell you this church is not going to reach 80,000 people? It's not. But this church is going to reach more than you are reaching right now. And if we have 100 people show up, and each one of you have 10 names, that's 1,000 people. 1,000 people that are being prayed for, being loved, being served. On the back of the card, there are nine spiritual arts that are listed. The art of noticing people. After praying this prayer today, I guarantee you, you will begin to notice people that you didn't, weren't aware of before. Then you'll begin to pray for the people that you notice. Then you begin to listen to the people that you're praying for. Then you begin to ask questions for those people that you've been listening to. And God builds those arts into your life. That's exactly how Carl came to Christ. Because God challenged me to begin to notice the people around me. So with every head up, every eye open, and everybody looking all around, if you are willing to be commissioned as a local missionary today, I'm going to ask you to stand up from your seat, get in the aisle, walk forward, and take this card, whichever card you've used to write on, and just drop it right here and join those others. You're welcome to come right now. All right, you're going to have to stand up to make that happen. then just stay right here. Just stay right here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer and an oath. If you can't get to the front, that's okay. Just hold on to your card. And it's, this is, boy, you guys are a very responsive church. This is amazing. This is wonderful. All right, here's what I'm going to have you do. In just a moment, I'm going to have you raise your right hand. I'm going to have you take an oath. An oath is a promise that we make to God. When people get married, I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding. Most of us have been to a wedding. That there's the oath, and then there are the pledges. If you've ever seen the groom and the bride, they're looking at the minister who represents God. So the groom and the bride first make promises to God. They're called oaths. Then they turn and make promises to one another. That's the way every wedding is set up. First we promise God, then we promise one another. What I'm going to have you do right now is to take an oath. In just a moment, I'm going to have you raise your right hand, and I'm going to lead you in this oath. And basically, it's a promise to God that for the next two years, you will pray, serve, and look for opportunities to minister to the people whose names are on your card. Is that clear? Everybody got that? All right, we're going to keep these cards here, and the leadership team is going to send them out to you in a letter this next week. 
So you'll know how many people signed up as local missionaries and how many names you're praying for as a whole because you're going to see that this has monumental impact. Who here has been in the military? Anybody serve in the military here? Okay, Where, what, what branch did you serve? In the Army. Thank you for serving. I saw several other names. Do you remember the day you took the oath of office? There it is, September 6th. You remember the date. You remember standing there and you raised your right hand. And you said, I will put my life in harm's, harm's way. I, I'll take a bullet in the chest for this nation if I need to. I will defend it against its enemies, all, for, all enemies foreign and domestic. That's what you said. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for the others that raised their hands about serving in the military. Because that's what you mean. You take an oath to go beyond your comfort zone for the sake of others. That's exactly what you're doing right now. So I'm going to have you raise your right hand and just repeat these words after me. Jesus... I'm here today to be commissioned as a local missionary. I'm here out of obedience. Someone prayed for me. Now I will pray for them. Someone told me about Jesus. Now I will tell others about Jesus. I promise to look for opportunities to love and to serve those who are listed on my card. They are my mission field. I ask your Holy Spirit to empower me to move your mission forward. I accept my commission as a local missionary for the benefit of the gospel. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for these men and women who are here this morning, who have pledged their life in their neighborhood, in their job, in their family, in their apartment complex, in their university courses, that you have called them and you want to use them to share your love with those whose names are listed on their card. Father, I pray from this day forward that they will begin to see doors open, that you will put them in contact maybe with people that they haven't seen in weeks or months, and they recognize that God is working here. Father, let your gospel of love go forth through us. In Jesus' good name we pray. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can return to your seat. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.